0: It's a rebase lying of the planet, and somewhere on this solid-state drive is my money. To
1: be honest with you, there are some people who have become experts at making their problems other people's responsibility.
2: We need to actually slow down quite considerably and give the opportunity to talk to people and use one of the best tools that we actually have, which is our voice.
0: In the room 52, Jokers Wild.
2: Should be a pin somewhere
0: you lost your knitting again i have
2: (laughs) lost my knitting again
0: there we go
2: and then we should be able to go full screen so it's just that one there we go oh just need to get me get rid of me and garvin don't want those two guys in there they're just a nuisance oh they're
1: the reason for the show so they need to be in here
2: Oh, well we've got cameras. We're no, using no. cameras, so that that's what we're doing. So I might just Well, you should
1: have let me know. I would have got mine too. <laughs> oh,
2: well Next, next time, next time. time we're going to have a next time. So, all okay. right, let's let's we'll, we'll we'll take it from here. So, hello sure. again. It's Friday, and we have another car uh, podcast. Last week we were saying thank God it's Friday. Uh but we're really glad that it's Friday this Friday because we have a special guest who is Laurie Gatzie Barnett. We're not going to tell you anything about her, but Laurie will at some point when we give her a chance to, as long as Garvin doesn't creep in there beforehand and say something and stop us all from talking. Welcome to the show, Laurie. How are you? How's it going? You've had a few problems this morning that we've noticed as well, just the electricity sort of jumping out and jumping out and freezing you and all that sort of stuff.
1: Well, you know what? I'm actually discovering that the word developing is not only for other regions of the world. It happens here too, so (laughs) we're having power cuts. And
0: shortages today, miracles, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good well, to be on the show now. Again. The strange thing is, the strange thing is, you know, we have that feeling. You know, a power cut in thirty seconds, we're back to the stone age. We're going. Yes, we've lost communications. We, we, everything stops working. My kids are saying, I, I, "The TV's gone off." I'm gonna move. I'm gonna make some tea. I go, no, that doesn't work either. You know, it, it's they're moving from electrical device, electrical device, thinking, no, that stopped. But this must work. I know the common denominator is the power is off. We're back to the Stone Age. George talked about this last week to, to mention that most of us don't know how to reinvent the wheel. We might have a book. If, if we get thrown back to the Stone Age by just the power going off, our broadband's gone off, the, the, the logistics stops, the trucks stop moving, people are got their money, their Bitcoin wallet's gone. You know, th- th- we're, now we're going, that's an interesting one. If your money is in Bitcoin, the power goes off. I think it's a re-baseline of the planet in terms of billionaires are now, I have this computer, somewhere on this solid state drive is, is my money. You know, would you, you know, can I spend this? Can I buy some food? No, the answer is no, you can't. You can't even barter. So when the power goes off, are we disempowered?
1: <laughs> I agree with that totally, because I was sitting here dumbfounded thinking, wait a minute, there is there something I pressed? And then I realized, you know what? It's got nothing to do with me because everything's just died, literally. So I'm left here hopeless. And like you so rightfully said, it feels like back in the stone ages. I probably won't remember anyone else's number except my own. So if I was in a crisis, <laughs> can you imagine I can only call myself and I'm stuck? So this is hopeless. You're so right. Power? Embrace the power. Exactly. That's,
2: <laughs> that's that's the interesting thing because <clears throat> I remember as kids knowing Loads and loads of people's numbers that I could actually ring because I knew everybody's telephone number, but now I, I, I don't even know my wife's number. Uh, I don't even know my kid's number because they all come up with their names. This is Tim. This is Connor. This is, this will soon be Oshins, <laughs> the youngest, who's only two years old. Um, But my number I can remember. Nobody else's I can remember because we've lost that capacity to to store the information in our own brains.
0: The only number you don't ring, George, is yourself. And the strange thing is if you ring that number and you get through to you, we're already in trouble. We're getting through to that multiverse. (laughs) Where are you now? What are you doing? uh,
1: (laughs) Roadside assistance by (laughs) self.
0: Now, there, that she just reminded me, I, 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 my car broke down. I was bringing my daughter to school, or no, the other way around. I was collecting her from school there a number of weeks back. And the car power stopped. And I got out of the, no, I didn't know. I got out of the car. I mentioned this in another pod, one of our podcasts. I went to collector and I went back to the car and there was, the battery was dead. Now, I took my phone out to ring the AA, and that was dead. I thought I was in a vortex. I hear my my phone battery's dead, my car battery is dead. I can't get home. The panic set in. George loves this. He loves, I go straight to panic mode. It's only a battery. You're you're not in a third world country. You're in a car park of a nice school in the middle of Kilkenny in the southern, sunny southeast of Ireland. What's the problem? My mobile phone. I'm powerless. Oh, oh my car i can't get from it you can get another car yeah i'll give you one well borrow someone's phone but the panic it's we're straight up well not everybody i'm sure there's different personalities out there but i'm straight to panic mode because i'm disempowered i haven't got my phone that's who i am that connects me to, to the control that helps me control my environment my car you know men we're We like to be able to get from A to B. It's a big car, a small car. It's an extension of our personalities. If you just took my car away, you took my phone away. Again, I'm back to the Stone Age. I'm Fred Flintstone. I'm I'm disempowered. I'm looking out for dinosaurs. So how do we re-empower ourselves, you know, in this day and age? Get tools. (laughs) Get tools? Tools. Get a better car. Well,
1: hey, I can testify to that. There are more women who use more tools than men. I'm sorry to say there are a lot of women... That's we've, my we've wife. Learned that's how that's... to do everything. And half the time, I, I think we're putting some of you out of work. And it's funny you said about the cars, right? How many men actually use a car as a as an average car, for example, here we are thinking as everybody else, it's just a car. And then you have these really angry drivers who are out on the road. Is it because their car is bigger? And sometimes, you know, as as the other person looking from, you know, whatever car size you have, it's always looking at them and thinking, you know what, you probably are not that great and you're compensating for it with the car. So that's a fair notion. Some people actually don't do that. (laughs)
0: that. (laughs) you're terrible now I know what you're talking about you know what you're talking about I'm not even going to go there how big and small my car is (laughs) and whether it's an extension extension of my personality or not it's a nice car it's a sleek car it's a powerful car it's a cheap car I don't know that's where I'm starting to fall back in now but I do I do believe I'm a big 6 foot 6 guy and I'm always complaining about getting into small cars I don't belong in a small car whether it's an extension of my ego or not it's a functional something but i keep on wanting to buy uh i don't have the money i can't afford the car i want no so the dreamscape car is i want a, a g wagon it's it's a big seven seater monstrosity it's nearly a hummer it's an arnold schwarzenegger car of type and it's it is in ego and like <coughs> bred into me if if i have that I've arrived, I'm here. That's a measure of myself of success. I don't have it. So therefore I'm not successful in my mind because I don't have my G-Wagon yet. I don't know how I'm going to get it. But if ever I get it, it's a measure of a distance of, of, of from here to success that I think men measure themselves by. And I don't know whether women are having a similar car or a similar measure of their own distance.
2: Well, let's put a different perspective on it because um, I I come from a slightly different background where my dad used to go out and fix motorbikes, fix lawnmowers, and he was in his garage doing all kinds of stuff. He would do wood turning, And my aspirations were to do something very similar. uh, So for me, to that would be success is to actually take apart a motorbike and put it back together again and see if I can use it. My son has now just done that. He's now customized his own motorbike from... He got, I got a nineteen seventy eight Kawasaki, and he has now re totally customized it. It's it was at a shop recently to just have the final tuning in Canada to make sure it's roadworthy and half the people coming in wanting to buy it off him. He says, "No, I want to use it." <laughs> you know, so he's already thinking, "Oh, I could do something else." But that's that's his engineering. He's done engineering, and he wants to do those sort of things. And I've I've been wanting to do that for years and years. And I remember. All the old cars that we used to have, I used to go out and fix them and do all sorts of things, bits and pieces. My son's doing something with it. But we're now left with this car that if the computer doesn't work inside it, you can't do anything with it. The MOTs now, if the computer light's saying... It's not one, working properly. You need to take it to the mechanic as quickly as possible. It actually also goes... But it's not
0: working properly. You can't get it to the mechanic. Half
2: the time, it's a fault with... Ca- I love the chicken leg. No, half the 22 fault is the light just comes on. You go over a bump and the light comes on. It's it's There's an electronic. It's the problems that you were having earlier on with electricity. The signal... I, I put, We've put diagnostics on the car and it's saying the car's perfectly right. There's a warning sign. <laughs> you can't use this car but everything's fixed. We don't know where to go and find it to solve the problems, you know. And that's one of the things with the technology. Unless you've got the big computer, which is what Garvin's talking with his big car. Oh, you've got to have the big computer that can tell you what it can do because it's an AI inside it and it knows everything. Humans don't no, know you need anything. A man,
0: actually, as Laurie says, <laughs> you need a... You don't need a man for that. You probably now need a woman for that. Because STEM and all this, you know, women in tech, we need more women engineers. We need more women. Actually, there's a shortage of engineers on the software side, the hardware side, and a shortage of mechanical engineers and garages and things. People aren't going into the trades anymore. And we need, I'm sure everywhere on the planet, we need more men and women, maybe, and predominantly more women if we want to address this gender bias thing. In tech, in STEM, in mechanics. And, and you said it. My wife has invested in a toolbox. I don't have one. I've got masking tape. I'm Homer Simpson. If masking tape does not solve the problem, you're talking to the wrong person. Because he, I couldn't even do it if I wanted it because I don't have a screwdriver and I don't have the tools. And I'm, I'm sticking to that because I don't. I, I talked to my friend there last week. If I had that, that solves one half the equation. Then I, if I had the knowledge... I might actually be able to solve the problem. But I'm, in my head, I'm going, it's not my problem. It's someone else's problem. If I don't have the tools and I don't know how to do it, I've got a great excuse. But if I have both, then I might end up having to do it. Whereas I'd rather be walking the dog, having cappuccinos, planning world domination, not mending a fence or painting the, the back room. It's, it's what some people see that as zen. Actually, George, you just said it. I heard Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. That you, that you were finding mindfulness in putting together and taking apart a machine. You but While you were talking, I was having a nightmare going, I don't want parts. I don't want to put them back together again. Actually, I like a Harley Davidson. I'd love to buy one and stick it on the wall. I'm not thinking about driving it. But it's, it's art. It's mechanics. It's a job to some. It's pleasure to others. And there's a bunch in between. But for me, it's an alien it's alien I don't, I, it's work i don't want that work i want i want my passion to be something else and uh, i don't know what that is yet well i have a few ideas but i need to now I'm talking to myself over here, Laurie. Get back in the game. Uh, You've got to fight your way in. I was just waiting a
1: second there because you. No, you got me. You, you got me on the gender bias thing because I was thinking about that, and you know what?
0: There you go. We got that. We got the whole Yes, we do.
1: And I think the thing is, whether it's space aviation or it's engineering as a subject or it's even being a mechanic, I think for so long, let's face it. Guys, you've had, you know, you've had the glass ceiling and you've kind of sat on it for so long. And now we're just trying to say, you know what? We don't longer just want to look at the glass ceiling. We want to smash the glass ceiling and actually have ownership of this. Because let's face it, let's be honest, when it comes to the smaller, intricate parts. And unfortunately for you, I'm one of those women whose father said to me, before you own a car, you need to know what a car can do. So he opened up the front of the car, the hood of the car, and had me look at it. Because he said, there's no point taking the car to the mechanic when you don't know where the water is, you don't know where the oil is, and you don't know where the basic things are. You don't even know what a head gasket is, let alone what all of those things. That's a terrible word. That's
0: a curse word. (laughs) You hear the word head gasket, and you just know it's ka-ching, ka-ching. Actually, we got that. Again, you just came. We had a show, I don't know, many shows back. And my wife, actually, it comes back to this little light on the dashboard stuff. The red light was on for about a month. I was going surely there was some warning signs and and she said there was a light on but I started to ignore it after a while I said no no that's when you see a red light it's not saying pay it like get back to it it's saying stop red is for stop do something about it find out what it is and fix it it's not an orange one it's not a flashing one that goes away it's a red light on a dashboard it means it's meant to frighten the holy bejesus out of you it's meant to say do something fix something well, she ignored it for about a month, and, and then now we're going to get to this head gasket language. It was there's no oil in your engine, and you need to top it up or something else. And the car just stopped, and smoke came from the front of the car. And uh, and the, the, the AA man came along and just laughed. He said, "He just went up. Put there's nothing I can do here. It's dead. It's that car is expired. It's an ex car. Now you can get it's a the word I'm going to use is head gasket, and that means." two grand plus grand five grand keep going you the figure i'm going to come up with is worth more than the car and it's not an insurance thing it's actually here's some petrol on a match just put it in there and walk away i agree that with car that. is dead
1: absolutely <laughs> agree with that and then here's the part that i don't like so you show up to the mechanics and you're a woman right and you show up and you say well the light is going off it's on the dashboard like you so rightfully said and what happens All I want you to do is tell me about the light. But what happens is the mechanic, most men, especially when you're a woman, just keep the price going up. So we go from just the light that you need to figure out, give me a diagnostic, to my wheel alignment is off, to now you've got something wrong with your drive shaft. Next is let's have a look at your transmission and gearbox. I just showed up for the light. Yeah, and most of the time as woman. I
0: wouldn't mind. Now I'm I'm terrible. I'm terrible, George. I was saying there wasn't even a car in the room. So I mean that was a whole <laughs> other sort of conversation you were having. I don't know where. I don't know how that date went in the end. But I mean that's what's going on. you you're we're doing a little dance with the men. Or, okay, the men that know or claim to know and sometimes they don't know but they're more likely men and they're little older men and they're They're only fools and horses. I'm reminded of and they're, 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 they're Ex-car salesmen and they're not that there's anything wrong with that if it's a mercedes or a g-wagon But the whole point is there's a mentality that we're afraid when we go there. We don't know them We don't know what it's gonna cost. We don't know what the language and the translation is we get we get a fright I mean, I immediately go, it's broken, it's five grand. It could be 50 quid. It could be, I said, it could be a fuse. But we're at the will of an honest or, or dishonest person that they either want to screw you for the moment or they're going the long game. The long game means they know you're going to have a car for life. They can become your mechanic. They can have that relationship journey. You might pay, you, they may always be a little, you're, you're paying a little extra in there the whole time, but they're not screwing you. They know I have you for life. I have got a mechanic. I trust them to screw me a little bit. But I know if I go somewhere else, i will be fucked You know, it, it's you're going, you going, you, you have that game of you're paying for the, the pain. And the pain is, if you don't want to fix it yourself, you know enough of a language, you learn enough of the language that, you know, only have one of them. It broke before I replaced it. You know, give me some credibility, you know, credit for knowing you're having me on. And that's, Actually, as an accountant, same thing. Lawyer, solicitor, accountant—you know—they they can tell you anything. They can—they can give it a name you never heard of, and the price goes up. And we're afraid. We want to trust people, and that's where it comes back. We're not talking about women or men here anymore. We're just going—it's when you don't know and haven't got the knowledge, and it's going to cost you. You want to be able to trust the person you're talking to that they don't take advantage of you. That—that's what we were searching out. People you want to work with that you can trust.
2: Well, that's that's where the key comes in. You've just now mentioned if, if you don't know the knowledge, that's when they can keep putting the price up. And it's the same with solicitors. We were always taught you need to know your game. You need to know what it is legally that's going on so that when the solicitor comes to talk to you, you actually probably know more than they do. And they're just a cog in the wheel as well they will go and talk about all sorts of things and blind you with their type of science. But if you have knowledge about what it is that you're going to talk about, then they're defenseless as well. And I've known this with other people who have tried to give me massive great big bills for something and I went, hang on a second. I've researched the job. I know it doesn't cost anywhere near that. You've just doubled the price and you want me to pay for something that uh, I'm not prepared to pay for. So I think it, it is important to go out there and learn the knowledge the art that the zen and the art of motorcycle mechanics is not about motorcycle mechanics it's about two characters that are going on a journey one of them is a garvin the other one's a george technically speaking because that there is one character that's bought a, an 1800 pound motorbike that should be able to do everything the best of german technology but it needs a little widget that this the other guy wants to cut out of a cannon and, and The first guy doesn't want his bike messed up by a little piece of metal from a can that would actually solve all his motorbike problems. So he's prepared to go and sort of lose half his journey and find some expensive BMW outlet to fix his motorbike when it could have been fixed within five seconds by a guy that knew about it and wasn't going to charge him anything. So it's about these perceptions of things that are are going on. I also want to kind of return to something because I know I've gone to speak to people with my wife the person's actually called my wife and asked her to go along to talk, and I've gone with her, and quite often it's been a man. So I'm nearly six foot, my wife's five foot, and the fellow be somewhere in the middle. He starts talking to me, and I've actually said a few times... My wife's the one that called you. You need to be talking to her, not me, just because I'm standing there. I'm not the customer. My wife is, and she's intelligent enough to know exactly what you're talking about. Give her the respect she deserves because she's the one that's the client. And if she doesn't like what you're saying, she's the one that's going to walk away and not pay you. (laughs) So that's something else that I think is quite important because a lot of these things are about life and how the experiences of life that we have. And and really about how we treat each other and how we treat people in general and how we look at the world around us. And quite often, we've discussed this in the past, it's fears that normally hold us back. It's the fears that have stopped us from achieving certain things or even trying to fix something that we think is going to cost us a lot of money. And when we do go to fix it, we suddenly kind of go, oh, is that all it was going to cost? I could have done that ages ago if I realized it was only going to cost me that bit. I'm going to let Laurie <clears throat> yeah. back
0: in because I'm remembering the stem and I'm remember. actually no, the weird thing is we've just gone off our little rant and we're saying if you were doing the reset with women would that include they're more honest than these men the job is motor mechanic the job is car salesperson the job is you know but does the same associations also go with the job functionality will they then be going i walk in and there's a lovely girl mechanic there behind My car is broken and she starts giving me your widget and your didgeridoo her gone on her little walk now oh that's a ka-ching ka-ching so they can functionally have the skill set they can run the showroom they can run the, the mechanic um, outlet but are they gonna then take on the rest of the guys of you know You wear the suit of the job that's there or is it going to be a nicer flowers and cappuccinos in the corner, welcome you in and go, here's the price list and it's all much more. We won't screw you.
1: Well, look, to be honest, I think right now when we look at what's happened, especially with COVID, right, we went from all the liberty in the world to restrictions that were absolutely out of everyone's control. And now we're in that mad frenzy of survival. And this is financial survival. So every like, you know, like George rightfully said, you have to have that decision that you make whenever you're doing business. Is it that you love what you do and you're charging a fair price? Because let's be honest, there's some things we've all paid for. And then six weeks down the line, you see the same thing and it costs nothing close to what you paid for. I mean, classic example is game consoles. Anybody who has kids who have game consoles, if you purchase them, let's say Black Friday, by the time you get to Boxing Day, by the time you get to New Year's Day and post-New Year's Day, you could kick yourself for how much you paid before it was Christmas for purchasing all those things. But could you tell a 10-year-old, I'm sorry, daddy was waiting for the price to be just right for me to buy it for you and they expect you to open it on Christmas morning? No, of course not. So there's all these things associated with what am I going to charge? What am I going to get for it? But I think the thing for me that gets me is, do you do what you do because you actually love it? Enjoy it. And when you price things, you're pricing them not out of this necessity of survival, but make your margins. Absolutely understand that. Make your profits. Totally agree with that. But when it's to the extreme, I have a problem with that, because at the end of the day, how do you sleep at night and what sort of conscience do you have? You don't have one anymore. You know, I don't get that.
0: The weird now, that that, that's what I really like. Because I think myself and George had a little bit of a conversation before you came on. And it was a little bit of that in it. We were talking to others and it became, I'm I'm delivering quality. I'm doing my job well. I'm well educated, well qualified. I invested in the past to arrive at this moment. And there was a lot of jokes out there and things like that they say. You know, they go to the guy and go. The a ship broke down, and they don't know how much it's going to fix it. And everyone keeps on going. It's going to cost this. It's going to take this long. Bump, a bump. Bum. And they give him a different price, and they, kept, they keep on negotiating the prices up and down. And they go in and pay the people, and they can't fix it. Then they go to the specialist and goes. He goes. It's ten thousand quid, and he just hits the thing with a hammer, and it works. And they go right. That took you four and a half seconds. I'm not paying for that. Yo, know, I mean, it's in there. So he says, you're not paying for the questions. You're not paying You're, you know, for, for the amount of time you're paying for the answer. I knew where to hit it with what tool got you back work. And my price is you could have spent the next 10 years doing that and got nowhere. It's, we want to bring the answers, not the problems. That's what myself and George are now saying. It's not the price is a functional hour or something. No, it's, Go to someone else for the functional error. If you want the functional error from the brand personality or the you, my time is limited, and it's me, not George, or George, not me. If you're picking the who, and you're picking the functionality, and you're picking the brand persona wrapped around it, the price, as you said, has changed. It's, not, it's a Rolls-Royce, not a ladder. The car will get you from A to B, but you can't pay for the roll, the la, the, the price for the rolls rice. You go, because you're going to feel better. You're going to, you're getting a different experience. You're getting a different journey, a different feeling. You want to be dealing with a limited edition. And therefore, what you can't keep on reverting to the functional and go, I didn't get this. I went, I paid for Butlins, but I wanted Disneyland. You know, it's, 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 you have to, you know, join both parts. And that's why I like what you're saying. There's, there's a, there's a functionality. There's a trust element that you know you want we want to be people to deal with the person going forward it's no longer what we were stripped down to the functional as i was an accountant george was an editor you can buy the accountancy you can buy the editing it doesn't matter who the person is i'm going i'm not an accountant anymore i'm garvin and george is not an editor he's george there's garvin and george and Laurie, and if you want to buy into us if you want to buy into the madness, the mayhem, the story, the journey, then that's now what's for sale. But you can't get that anywhere else, unless you've cloned us. You'll get some variant, some version. Well, you're welcome to it. But you got. I think we all have to be us going forward. The story of us, the story of you. You know, we're not the function we were before. We are the person. And that's what we're selling, you know, and that's where we've arrived at.
1: Well, I suppose I can ask you both because my thing is, you know, you could be the smartest tool in the toolkit, okay? We can agree that. Go and have all the PhDs. I'm
0: definitely a tool in the toolkit, (laughs) but I'm not going to go into
1: that. (laughs) But in any case, I think it's about one thing that people miss is you cannot buy experience because you've got all these young people and a whole generation that's out there. And what you... Garvin and George have is experience, of which I kind of need to live a little bit more to acquire what you have. So that by me sitting and having a conversation with you, I think people have cut out the learning element that experience brings, not just the skill. Because like you so rightfully said, it's picking up if it's a hammer or whatever it is and knowing exactly where to hit for it to work without taking it apart. Whereas you get these geniuses, you'll take the whole thing apart, put it back together, Take longer than it could have t- taken a person who has experience who just tapped the right spot. So, what do you do then when people are so obsessed with the technology and they override experience? You can't put a price on that.
0: Oh, well, again, the whole point is to put a price on that now, depending on hopefully 10 grand, not 10 quid. But it's, 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 it's- there's a, we're reminded of something we keep on talking about. and Half the time I even say the word wrong. I, I've been calling it the Pareto Principle. It's act, I think it's the Pareto Principle. It's the 80-20 rule. That's a sort of uh, methodology and mindset we've been applying to ourselves. We've, we can't be perfect because all of us are... In, there's no such thing as perfection, but the very nature of us, we're imperfect. And that we, what we just, it just needs to be good enough. And when we're saying good enough, because of our skill sets and who we are, are good enough... Is, is an is an A it's, it's, it doesn't need to be 100% it's still 90% it's 80% it's it works it does its job for the price you're paying for it you don't need to you know you need to get on to the next thing we're on a journey someone actually commented today that you know you could fix that picture or you could move that thing you're going I didn't even know I wasn't even aware of it that was something two years ago I don't even care about it, it has no value we're, we're we're too busy trying to build a new universe to worry about do we change the color from green to yellow on a picture in the, in the background it does it, at this stage it's the big picture if, if you're aiming for the big picture and making a difference you can't get caught up with the little things unless they're on the critical path that this little as i said if that little piece in that you know the machine that george was talking about if that's the linchpin if the machine doesn't work with this then you that that has a massive different value it might cost 10 cent but your million pound machine doesn't work without it. It's on the critical path. You've you got to do something about it. So we have to get up in the morning. We're, you know, we are the million pound machine. You know, We've got to get it out of bed and we've got to get it on a critical path and we got to you embrace know, the time that's left. And if we want to make a big difference, we've got to play a big game. If we want, to, If we don't want to make a big difference, we just have to turn up, go for a walk with the dogs you know, kick the ball for the kids. It's it's, it's, a, it's a big difference to them.
2: Yeah. I think something that's really important that um, when I started out and we use the editing and also with the teaching in in, in both those environments, uh, you go in and do your class or you go in and do your edit. Then you go and have a tea break or a coffee break. And at the coffee break, you'd be kind of sort of, I've got all these problems. And I can't solve them. And oh, what am I going to do? And somebody from the other side of the table says, oh, why don't you just do X, Y, and Z? And you kind of, Oh, right. And you go back and that that problem would be solved. Again, the same sort of situation happened in the classroom. I'm sure everybody else has got similar sort of situations as well. Then it became that you had to work, 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 and you sort of had your tea in your in your edit suite, or you had your tea in, almost in the classroom, uh, and you didn't get to, to to meet with your colleagues because their time frames were shifted from your time frame, uh, so you couldn't relate to them the stories that you were you were you were experiencing. So you then those problems just kept building up and building up and building up. And I think that's where the problem is: is that we're not having discussions in the world that we live. This is why this. Kind kind of thing is really, really important, because we're now having an opportunity for about 45 minutes to chat and gain some wisdom from other people about what's going on. Whereas In most people's situations, they're now isolated or they're going from one meeting where it's not about a discussion. It's about somebody just firing stuff at them and they have to take notes. And now they they don't even get a chance to go to the loo or or to get a cup of tea to, to replenish themselves. They're going into the next meeting and the next meeting and the next. And before they know it, they can't remember anything that they were supposed to do during that day because it's just gone past in a flash. Those are the problems that we're having. We need to actually slow down quite considerably and give the opportunity to talk to people and use one of the best tools that we actually have, which is our voice and our mind, I suppose, to chat things through and work things out. And quite often, a lot of problems uh, uh, can be solved very, very quickly just because somebody else has a different perspective. My wife has come home a few times and told me issues that she would have at work. And I would kind of go, well, why didn't they do this, that? Oh, do you know, nobody thought of that. God, that's, that's brilliant. And you could suddenly see this kind of wrecked person suddenly get lifted up because all of a sudden they've got a solution that nobody in the group thought about because they, they hadn't got together to chat things through properly. And that's then eased her pressure and eased her stress and strain that she's kind of going through at that particular moment. And it's just a chat a chat for a few, actually half now I tend to have, we we sit down, have these good long conversations just so that she can unwind. But those are so important. And if we don't get those opportunities to chat things through, we can find ourselves worrying about things and our mental health goes through the roof and our physical health then follows it very quickly because it can't cope with the mental health that's going on. It's going to go, what am I meant to do? What am I meant to do? And I think those, those are the big issues. You know, I'm sure Laurie, you've had that same kind of experience in in some of the things that you've been working on as well.
1: I was going to say, you know, just listening to what Garvin was saying about the 80-20 rule, right? There's so many people out there who realistically 80% of what you have, what you know, what you do is perfect. But then we all get caught up with moonlighting and daydreaming about the 20% that somebody else tells you you're missing. And you spend your whole life chasing after 20%. When the whole entire time you've been sitting there with 80%. Now, how many people have lost out on a lifetime chasing after 20% when you had 80% the whole time? Took on everything in life, became the person you didn't want to be for 20% when 80% was in you all along. So
0: you gave up what you had to get what you think you needed. And that's it. Happiness is someone else's definition half the time. I mean, I think the big car. Do I want the big car? If the big car was there, great. Am I willing to give up everything for it? No. It, it'd be a nice reward if it comes with the journey that we're on. But it it can't become the defining journey because I know to get that big car and I don't have the right solutions, I've got to you know, work, work, work to come up with different alternatives and scenarios to try and arrive at it. And the more you're doing that, it's consuming more and more and more time. That time is coming from somewhere. It's coming from family, from friends, from... It's coming... It, it It has options you've got options with time and the more and that's what tony robbins says you have to have your five big things your health your wealth your family your this that and the other it's not one project one business and everything else is is left out now other people say you got to work eight days a week 25 hours a day that's how i achieved what it is i got where i am and when i get where i am with my millions then i'll have it all and i i can then use the time but most of us that's a, a, a curve that. Only a few percentile is on. The rest of us will never get there. We gave up the time, but we didn't get the reward. But we lost the rest. We lost that 8% you're talking about. And therefore, it was a lose-lose, not a win-win. You know, we had to give up what we had to get what we think we can get. And we never got it. So therefore, we lost it all. You know? I
2: think we, we we miss out on some of what the important things are. It is a combination of Realized. all those things. I heard a story yesterday of somebody that was about to retire in the next few months. And they were hoping to go over to to Canada to to spend some time with their mum, who who wasn't really that old in the way things are, and only found out a couple of days ago that she'd passed away. Just so all the you know the the, the future plans had, had all just been thrown to the wind. And I think what we tend to forget is that what's most important is what we can do now. And it's, it's, you know, don't put off that conversation you, you were meant to have with someone. Don't put off something else that you, you thought was important, but maybe could be put off because the real thing is the human interaction that is needed at that particular moment. And just be aware of what others' needs are around you so that you can be there to help them through a, a situation that they're going through. Your work, there's something that I was told before. Um, one thing is endless. The other one is finite. It turns out uh, work is infinite, time is not. And that's the key. We, we rush around trying to, to get all this work done. And, and if I don't get this work done, what am I going to do? And I know my wife's kind of going, God, they, they haven't. They, I gave them five months' notice and they still haven't sort of advertised my job. And they're talking about me possibly staying beyond the date. I said, Love, your time finishes at that date. You have no responsibility beyond that date to them, no loyalties. You've given them an extra two months' notice. If they can't do their job in that time, that's their problem. Your problem, you've done your job.
0: I love that, George. I'm jumping back into the SEP for Laurie. Most of the problems that we thought we had, we use this little acronym it's SEP. They were someone else's problem, Mm. they weren't ours, but we took them on. And it's that not the ability not to say no is what most people's problem is Is go no that's not mine that's yours that's someone else's don't try and give me your problems i have my own i'm trying to get th- whether th- those problems are not don't mean problems it could be this is my workload that's yours don't try and give me yours on top of mine that that's where the stresses and the unex- unrealistic expectations come in so we said it's an sep that's an sep that's someone else's problem we the quicker we learn that we take control of our own lives and we can take that on, we can charge you a price. If you want me, well, that comes on, I have to push something else off for my boss. But, you know, realizing what's yours and what someone else's is a a certain, like, you know, level of empowerment. And and you don't have to take on all the problems either because we give ourselves these things and most of the time it's self-inflicted. We have to, you know, order them, give them a ranking and then realize they're not all equal. You know, I, I, we said this before. You know, painting the garden and changing job and sending a CV out are not the same thing. One has a new career, one is two hours of paint. You go, and you know, what the same hour it needs to be. Which one do you do first? The one that gives you a 100 grand job for 20 years, give it a little bit of priority over painting the garden. Because if someone gets in before you, there was only one position in 100 CVs. You've got to rank it right, give it a time in the time you want all things are not equal so so there's a little bit actually i i'm gonna stop talking but what we normally do is i read this little thing in front of me which is one of these little day calendars that has a little motivational something and i think this one's a good one it might spark you into talking about something else or getting back to stem because we still haven't let you Uh, courage is doing what you're afraid to do there can be no courage unless you're scared what your thoughts on that one
1: well i think yeah I agree with that because I also, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy called, um, I know his surname is Badge Hart, Walter Badge Hart. I think he was an editor, a writer of some sort in, in some century of some sort. But in any case, one of the things he says is the greatest pleasure in life is doing the things that people say you cannot do. You know, and equally with what you've just said, if you're not prepared to face your fears, because there's nothing more scary than fear itself. And once you learn to conquer your own fears, Courage becomes the next best thing for you because you can face fear, you can tackle it, deal with your own inhibitions and get over it. Get over yourself sometimes to be able to make space for other people. But then touching on what you said, which really struck a note in me about the SEP, someone else's problem. When people cannot have that brutal honesty that says, you know what, I put my hand up, that was on me. That was a self-inflicted situation. I could have dealt with it better. But people choose not to take responsibility, choose not to have accountability, and then it becomes a deflection by turning the whole room into having to be about, I'm the victim here, and you guys are the bullies, or you're the bully over there, and the language just turns into a lawsuit before we even get any solicitors involved. Because people do not want to take responsibility. And that SCP you're talking about repeats itself so many times. So back to the quote you just said, that's what I would handle it with. You know, face your fears, deal with your own trash in your life. Recycle it if you must. You know, bin what you need to recycle Actually, it and move on. brilliant. Yeah.
0: I think you're reflecting back now what, like, two scenarios that led myself and George to where we yeah. are. It took a long time for me. There's, now, again, I was my own worst enemy. I, it was an awful lot of was self-inflicted because you didn't say no when the no was required and then it was too late, you already owned it. You took the responsibility on, you were now responsible for delivering these outcomes when it was never yours to begin with. But when you take the ownership, now it's yours and getting rid of it and giving it back is a much more difficult process. And you live with it and go, you won't catch me a second time, twice shy. That That saying is out there. But then you've already done the opened a gate and you did it before and now that's your thing and it gets handed to you and it gets difficult to say no because there's an evidence there and that's why i found you nearly have to change jobs in order to break the cycle and people don't change jobs willy-nilly they're nearly thinking of their pension three years in and a 40-year distance of am oh i got because security unless you're going to are, are, are sort of securing yourself to be job hopping and career you know driving most people step into something and, and get comfortable in it and go i'm safe here i get paid x i'll get five percent more next year i might get a little bit of a bonus five years time from now i'll save for a whole that they're already journeying in their in their life stream their a day a day in two days in and they're going it's already over for 20 years from now i'm retiring we, it took me a long time to go i can't take pension. Although the ads out there and there's an awful lot of programs even on Netflix saying we should be planning for it. But if we can't, i can pay for the kids now the food on the table now then i cannot worry about 40 years from now not being able to pay for my cornflakes then if i can address the now then that will take care of itself that is the problems i'm giving myself in the future which may or may not exist i need to deal with the now i need to fix things now get better now educate myself more now and that will give me a better potential something but enough of people get and including myself, I got comfortable for 10 years. I, I you know, I 10 years in a job at a time. You're going, as an accountant, you're going, you're meant to be in and out in two because you're not going to go up the scale. Otherwise, it's in, prove your point, move on. If you're staying, you're turning yourself into a silo of increment of, I have a job, I have a job for life mentality. Jobs for life are gone. You need to be portfolio job in these days and figure out which one will work best. The language of the, of the TikToks are all saying, passive income this and bitcoin the other and and and, but most of us don't have the money for the cornflakes we can't be trading bitcoin and we're not buying houses on the side for the passive income it's but if we want any of that it's actually education it's we've got to educate ourselves to say no to something and empower ourselves with new skill sets to open up other opportunities and it's that is even easy to say it's the hardest thing on the bloody planet to do.
2: I think that's where um, it's the self-education that becomes so important because if you move from one job to another and you're saying, okay, I'm out of that environment that was toxic for me and that was causing me all kinds of problems. But if you go into the next environment and you suddenly find the same things are happening, if you can't look at yourself and say, maybe it's, it's me not facing my fears that is the problem here because if I can take the courage to face those fears, maybe I can change the situation, made it better for me here – And as long as you're, you're, if you can face up to that and try and change that, then uh, you can start to create a new life for yourself, which I think is what we did. Because I know that we had, I had a couple of situations where people wanted me to do video productions. And then before you knew it, they were asking for three times the amount of money, a worth of video production, but only wanted to give you what they'd originally said. They weren't prepared for the changes. And I actually got to a point where I said to a client, look, I know you're coming back and asking me for more work. That's going to cost more money. This is what the price is now. You've left it quite a long time. That was okay back then. And they thought I was the worst person in the world. And I had to say, well, look, I'm sorry, but your parameters have all changed. You've already had your money's worth of what you were looking for i'm quite happy to you know re you that material but anything over in that you know you need to give me my worth in, in pay, otherwise there's no point in me doing it. Where, where's the incentive for me? I'm just working for nothing, and that's it's it's beginning to understand your worth and make sure that you are see your worth in what you're doing and how you're moving forward. And if any of these other things become a distraction, then they're the things that you let go. And sometimes the worth is not a monetary. It's about understanding who you are as a person and knowing that you have certain values within you that quite often are beyond monetary and and you have a certain integrity about what you're trying to do and putting those things forward so you're not being misused, which is what will happen in the industry. I know loads of people different types of industry, in fact, who are finding themselves thinking they're getting something or generate a little bit of extra income just to keep them going, and then finding they're working four or five times longer than what they really needed to have done because the the client hasn't understood the job properly, and they've not given their place when they've tried to tell them what that job should really cost in, in the long run. And I think Garvin's had the same kind of problems. I'm sure you've had the same problems as well, Laurie. <laughs>
1: well, now that you've said it worth, you know, that's, that's a complicated one because I think you know, when you when you have children, right? And they're little and and you you have that power when they're like zero to five to instill worth into them because it is how you treat them and how you value them. So they kind of learn this adopted behavior. And as they grow up and mature, eventually you kind of start getting whatever you've put in back, essentially. And then they become an adult. There's a mini me. They're answering back. <laughs> and then they become an adult. And then you have to see okay, this is the product of our handiwork. I laugh because there was a poster I came across. And this is uh, the daughter in law says to the mother in law, there's this poster where you have that mother in law who keeps telling you what to do. So the daughter in law's response to the mother in law is you know, stop trying to tell me how to raise my kids. I'm living with your child and we can see your handiwork at play right here. So I thought (laughs) the irony of that, you know, essentially. So worth is so crucial. And I think when people take more time to appreciate that, you know, how you were raised, for example, George, and how you were raised, Garvin, and even myself, it's not the same. But when we come together, we can have a respectful, mutual appreciation of other people. And it's not about who's more important than the other. Because we've already seen that history has not served either of us well. Yeah, I've either hated you or you've hated me by virtue of what ancestral history exists. Never liked <laughs> you. No, that's you.
0: That's what my wife says every year on her anniversary.
1: <laughs> Never liked you. Well, <laughs> well, you know what, Garvin? You need to go and check your 80-20 rule there. You might need to ask your missus, what, what does she go for? <laughs> that's
0: it. She said, I thought I, I was marrying an accountant. And I, I told her... I thought I was marrying a country girl with land frontage. So, I mean, we were both, the wool was pulled over both of our eyes. Well, I think you have to
1: go back to terms and conditions here. What worth did you both put on each other? Definitely,
0: I didn't sign up for this, I'll tell you. I don't think she signed up either.
1: (laughs) But the beauty is, you know, the beauty is you can laugh about this, you know? And like what you're saying, there's one thing about having a fear, right? When I think there's another thing when you can laugh at yourself. I mean, I can put my hand up when it comes to a mouse I mean, to anybody else, they think a mouse is harmless. But to me, I just have this vision. Blame TV when I was a child that we always saw it was gremlins or something and they were running and climbing up on you. So my biggest fear when it comes to a mouse, it's probably running away from me. But the, in my head, I've got this, you know, this fear. It's going to run up me. So <laughs> I'm petrified at the sight of them. It. It's so small, but it's menacing to me. And I, I really struggle to deal with that. And like we're talking about, it's dealing with that. When you know who you are, your fears, and you understand your worth and the worth of others. I think that spills in nicely into the pension you were talking about, which realistically, everybody thinks pension is the future. But after this conversation, if anybody doesn't know, pension is a reward for the time served now. That's how I would look at it. Because if you're not investing in now, what are you going to sit back and enjoy as the pension? Because the money will buy you some things, But if you've lost the relationships, lost your integrity, lost your self-worth, never became a better person, what is there to go and retire and be of service to who at that point? There's nothing to offer.
0: I like that because we don't actually, the statistics usually bear out that, you know, it might be you have to work. The great thing is, is if you're able to work as, as well as have to, is what keeps you alive because mo- I think the statistics are maybe seen. Most of people were living, working to live, and living to work to get to this point in time, and they relaxed, and the cancers grew, and their purpose was gone. And they gave they, there was nothing, there was no colleagues anymore. No, there, there isn't this land of nod where everyone's playing golf and the sunshine. So there's no one, it's people. The work was the people, the friends, the interaction. The pain was having to make move pieces of paper around and put numbers in spreadsheets, perhaps. But at the end of the day, work was not work. Work was going, going to work. It was the tea break. It was the water cooler. It was those co- you know, business colleagues. It was you know even the office affairs, possibly, if some of us were that lucky. But again, none of that could happen. That was the leaving, going out, and interacting with something that gave you a purpose. And I don't want to stop work now the work can be the passion the work could be the house project you know if we're able to work we're out of bed we're up and functioning something has been worked on ourselves our body our health our wealth you know it's whatever that work word is we use it in a one-minded way of going work is the cost of my time to get the money to go do the other thing. If we can mix it up a bit, it's my reason to getting out of bed in the morning, and it empowers all things. And once I don't do it to the detriment of another, I have one of those you know functions that has to be carried out to give me meaning, to keep my body moving, instead of going to play the golf with my pretend friends that I don't not able to play golf anyway, and have no interest in. So it's I want to work till the day I die, but not work myself to debt.
1: Oh, I like that. I absolutely like that. And since we're in a pub, that's the notion of this conversation, right? I would propose that if there are, you know, drink makers out there, that they make a drink called a life shake. And the life shake should be one that encompasses like the expert of drinkers, I suppose, a connoisseur of drinkers, where you can have this life shake, which is almost like the drink that you get served when you finally say, you know what? I've given my all. I've, I've gotten everything I want to get out of life. When you go into the pub, with the last sort of round with the fake friends that you might have acquired in this work of yours that you do and have- exactly I am your only friend, (laughs) but the cost is. (laughs) (laughs) And have this life shake that you just drink it all down, walk away and just walk into your 80% that you've always had. Honestly, I think that's the way to go.
2: Oh, I like that, I like that. Yeah, I also think that um, if you've invested in your life, especially with the people that you live with and uh, the people that you supposedly love, then you want to spend more time with them. And part of the process I think our our lives are is that we've been earning money all our life, trying to make sure that we have what we need, bringing up the children. And there does actually come a point where you you need to reconnect with the person that you, you, you began your life with so that you can see your life through to the end, wherever that end is. In fact, one of the things that we're seeing is that because so many people just drop down dead very rapidly, you need to make sure, again, you value this time with them and don't lose those opportunities to have the conversations that you need or to, to do things with them, you know, to, to go out and enjoy what the world actually has to offer. I think those are important. And if you're working so hard that you're missing those opportunities when they do arise, then maybe you've got a little bit of something wrong and you have to, that's maybe the little thing inside that you've got to try and rework to, to make sure you reconnect, especially when that person with you has given you some of the insights that have helped you go through, get through some of the problems that you may have faced yourself. And also because, because we we're that idea of saying no, um, when, when sometimes you're struggling with the problems that you're encountering and you're not quite sure how, how to solve it, and they just give you that little bit of insight that tells you, do you know what, have you thought of this? And you're kind of go, no, I didn't. I didn't think I was allowed to do that. Why are you not allowed to do that? And they suddenly give you that help to, to face those fears that you may have actually had yourself. Having someone like that, I think, is, is important. And if you've got an opportunity to spend time with them, ah well i want to spend more time with them <laughs> i think that's an important part
0: you've got laurie you've gone see my mind is very very um you know i don't want to say picturesque that's the wrong word visual or i see in pictures and you've just put me in the last chance saloon I'm, I'm back at the bar going you know i'm not too sure if it was tom cruise or rob lowe in that co- that film was a film cocktail was no, tom cruise something like tom that. cruise Tom Cruise, I'm now Tom Cruise. are oh, you saying? I'm right? Paul Newman. It's oh, not hang on a second. Chance. Nope. Look, okay. I'm a better looking Tom Cruise and I'm a, I'm a bigger Tom Cruise. Taller Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a leprechaun anyway. I'm 606. I'm the gigantic Tom Cruise. But I'm at the writing down here. I want to be the cocktail maker at the bar of life. So you're back to your cocktails there. I want to mix it up a bit. I'm doing all the fancy chucking it up in the air and putting it back down. It's not the last chance saloon. It's the cocktail bar at the bar of life. You can go out there. We want to mix it up. We don't. Want, we want to have our whiskey chasers. We don't want just a pint of Guinness. And it's Guinness all day long. Because that imagery there is the little old man sitting in a corner. Pint of Guinness. Now he knows what he likes. But if we want to, you know, sure, chuck it up a few gears. It's the cocktail bar is where you want to be. It's going to be entertaining over there. It's going to be mixed up a bit. You're, you're, you won't even know what the hell you're drinking. You're going to have a good time. The price is a little different. So therefore, but it's going to be, there's. I think it's a different level of energy. That's the bar of life I want to be at. I want to be making and mixing up new cocktails. They're the experiences of life. Colour up your drinking. You know, that, that's, that's where I'm sort of at now. So I'm the barman. It's going to cost you. I don't know what your cocktail is yet but we need to mix it up a bit and we got to get those, you know, that's what we want. What ingredients do we want? And we got to make sure it's stacked and stocked at the bar and that we've got to influence that. You know, and that's where we are. I think now it's, we don't want to go to the little old man pub, but I don't. I want to go to the the Tom Cruise cocktail bar.
1: That's a good bar to go to because I think, let's face it, when you put in a lot of man hours, women hours to be who you want to be, People underestimate the cost. You know, people don't ever stop and think about, you know, we're sitting here having this podcast, but it's cost us something, maybe more than we would probably let you know to be who we are right now. And all somebody can probably do is look at us and listen to us and think, yeah, okay, they're having a reasonably good time. But there are times in our life where it wasn't this great. There are times when things did not go to plan. There are times when you're enraged, furious, every negative emotion you can think of. We've experienced that. But I think the key factor for me, which is what I enjoy about the energy here, is it's the mindset. It has always been and will always be about the mindset. If you're always going to look at yourself and you're small, like the small Tom Cruise we're talking about, he's famous but you know what they say, dynamite. comes. To
0: he wears life. high heels. We know that he's he wears heels. He puts other people on chairs and cuts the legs off and busts them down. Well, maybe
1: you need to watch. What is the other one? Shazam. It's all perception. It's Shazam. all perception. Shazam. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if anything, you know, we have to we have to appreciate that. There's a lot. And I think you have to earn your place to be the barman at that bar to serve those drinks because you cannot serve from a place. Or bar, bar person. Bar true, person. True, I, I'll probably take that. But I think you need to be somebody who has enough excess in your life to give away something. Because there's nothing worse than going to a bar that's understocked with the bar person on the other side who has nothing to offer. That just makes the whole experience not worth it. So I take you on on that bar. Sign me up whenever you have in running. <laughs>
0: We're going there. That's it. <laughs> but no time soon, thank God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Right, well, we're actually coming to the end of the show believe it or not we've been we've been going on for about an hour here which is really really good so we've had a good lunchtime sort of cocktail being mixed in 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 the pub of life which i think is really really good we've had a great little conversation where we started talking initially about whether we should have plenty of tools in the toolbox and try not to be the tool instead We've talked about lots of relationships and the best way to solve a lot of problems that we found in life is to have a good discussion about it and make sure you have time for those discussions because you never know what little gems will come out of that to help you get through that day that you're having, even if it's a bad one. One of the things we've also talked about is the the, how it is important? Darwin was talking about pensions, but we realize that being in the now, sorting things out now, can quite often solve the problems that you're going to have in the future. And it's not necessarily about having a pensions, because as we've seen in this world, sometimes those pensions can disappear as quickly as they got there in the first place. The key thing is is value the riches that you have, and quite often it's the other person that's in your life, or people, especially if you've got children and grandchildren, the likes of as I do. <laughs> And making sure that you make them feel special, and as we talked about earlier on, we've got to be make we've got to make sure that we don't have the in-laws thinking that they know better than us when they've given us something that's a bit up the left in the first place. Thankfully, I haven't been in that situation. I have a gem of a wife with me; <laughs> she's the one that's probably sort of worried about what she's been given <laughs> in her life. Um, but thankfully, our sons have turned out all right, and I think that's because of her. <laughs> so here we are at the end of this. Show, we've enjoyed the conversation. It has felt like a, a pub sort of chat, and hopefully, we'll have another opportunity, Laurie, to talk to you again because I think there's so much more that we could talk about, and so much the Garvin and I can learn from you as well. I hope you've enjoyed coming on to this podcast this week, and uh, thank you for that opportunity that you've had sharing with. Any last words you'd like to have just before we finish?
1: Well, I would encourage anybody who's out there come to this very interesting space. I don't think there's anybody who couldn't fit in and contribute and learn and share. It's a thrilling experience being in a a very interesting position where you have no idea what's coming your way. So this is like literally being on that famous movie, 310 to Yamaha. So, whatever time you'll find yourself, this is that train. So, you best get on it. And you'll never know, you might get a cocktail from a bigger version of Tom Cruise. So, yeah, worth it. Well, very
0: good. I like that. I'm reminded again of the restaurant at the end of the universe in Douglas Adams. I'm saying there's a cocktail bar just to the side. The barman there is my good old self i'm i'm sending my cv out now to be the barman at the cocktail bar at the restaurant at the end of the universe that's where you'll find me the bar tab is open you better know what mix you want saint peter's gate you're having one more drink in the last chance saloon know it before you go i'll be there and i'll be served
2: thanks a lot bye for now
0: hope you enjoyed this video please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications